0: Bam, bum, 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 hey, everybody, welcome back to Go Help Yourself, a comedy self help podcast to make life suck less. How are you doing? It's mid January, it's the winter, it's freezing. We sincerely hope that you are listening to this with a warm beverage nearby. Maybe a candle, a cinnamon stick, something, Hugo. This is but one of your hosts, Misty Stinnett. On across from me, sipping through the cutest little pink straw, is your other host, Lisa Linky. And this is the podcast. <laughs> what was that? That was like a sad, dying horn. What just came out of my mouth? <laughs> that was the, listen, it's fine. This is the podcast where we read and review a popular self-help book each week, and we give you the highs and lows, the main points that the author is trying to make. We try to think critically. Uh. Yes, that is breaking news, everybody. Write that down Uh. and spell it correctly. This (laughs) We do our best to think critically about it, to poke a little fun at it, because some of this self-help stuff gets very, very serious and that's it's everything feels serious right now so why not laugh a little but the point is in roughly an hour under an hour we are going to help you decide if this book is worth your time did you get yeah. enough out of just the review to know that you don't need to read it and maybe it will you damage shouldn't. your psyche
1: <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> or Oh my gosh, does that sound amazing? Which some of some of the books we are covering just this month, I am so excited about. And already I'm like, yeah. everyone needs to read these and support these authors. So that's what we're doing here. Welcome. And then on Tuesdays, we do a mini-sode because we hate ourselves and we want to keep giving ourselves <laughs> as much work as we can.
1: <laughs> Literally when we started, we were like, two episodes a week? Yeah, that's fun. And then at the beginning, when we first started, we were like, "What? why Why did we do that? And now we kind of have it like in a nice, can you hear my landlord coming to check on me? Yeah. We have it in like a nice, you know, flow. But
0: sometimes I'm like, why did we do
1: that?
0: Yes. And it's funny because I was like, I know it will be extra work, but I really want to do this. I want to connect more often. And it's a
1: hundred you know, episodes
0: a year. It is hundred and four. It's 104 episodes a year and including the bonus episodes. We're like somewhere in like, you know, 215, something like that. Who can know? <laughs> anyway, on Tuesdays, our mini Shorter Sweeter, we cover all of the dark corners of the self help world that's not a book. Articles, yeah. guests, trivia, thought provoking questions. We try homework from the books because we we want to be in the arena. <laughs> We're not here to just judge authors. We are going to try something that they give us and see if it helps. And spoiler alert, sometimes it does. And spoiler alert, yeah. sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes a global it pandemic comes along and just obliterates all of the tools you thought you had, and none of them work. Oh, and you just cry God. and drink too much coffee. A friend told it's me. True. So it's true. The anyway, welcome. You're here. We're <laughs> so glad, glad you're here. And we are time stamping these episodes of when we're recording them because in the space time continuum in America, a new president may or may not be inaugurated next week. We'll find out. Yeah. We'll Let, find out. Who, who knows? Who can know? Who can care? I care so deeply. Care so, very, very much. Very deeply. So for us, we are recording this December 10th. And if that feels shocking, just know that these books take a long time to read, and we
1: <laughs> we need a lead. We're time. back to our normal, just about our normal uh, lead time, uh, four yeah. week lead on this.
0: Yeah yeah. 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 Oh, and one of the reasons we had to get so ahead is because we launched a merch shop, which you may have already heard yes. about in other episodes. But if you have not checked it out already, we are uploading new designs on the reg. The platform we're using is called Tee Public. There will be a link to it in show notes. And what's so cool is it's not just a T-shirt and it's not just, you know, a, a sticker. Republic. It's like a, rep- thank you. It's not just a T or a Republic. But what's cool is if you go, if you click on T-shirts, you can then choose like, a long sleeve t-shirt and you can get it extra yeah. soft or you can get a slouchy v-neck and you can choose all the colors you want so like everything is customizable which is so exciting yeah, or like a ringer tee like it's all it's it's just balls. yeah it's so cute so anyway without further ado baby okay Lisa what are you bringing us yeah
1: Misty, today I am bringing you from the recommendation of Colleen, uh, our longtime loyal listener and dear friend Colleen. Yes. Coyote Medicine, Lessons from Native American Healing by Louis Mel Madrona, MD. And here is the cover for you to take a look at.
0: Oh, okay. Hold on. Let me turn up my screen brightness. What is that? It, okay. It's like the symbol for medicine, which looks like like a, is that a moth or a phoenix? What's happening? Well, it's it's like serpents and then wings
1: and then the staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the symbol yep. for medicine. And then there's um, like a compass with sun in the four directions. And then there's some beautiful feathers, like the drama Native American uh, it. ceremony. It looks like a big um, book,
0: Lisa. You know, it's um, that is a thick, 306 pages. Look, it's been a long time since I saw a book that thick. It's nice. I forgot how much I liked it. You know, I
1: I like thick books and I cannot lie. Oh, Um, I guess
0: we should say real quick, you might already know this, but this is an adult podcast. We swear and there might be some explicit material. And listen, listen with your kids if you think it'll help, but like weigh the pros and cons. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It was originally published
1: in 1997. I think there's a newer edition as of 2011, but if I had to sum it up in one sentence, mm-hmm. I would call it a memoir slash burn book about Western medicine's deficiencies and Native American healing's
0: possibilities. It's like a practical woo-woo book. in the best way. Oh my God, I <laughs> you love did not intend for it to be a
1: burn book, but I straight up read it. As a book.
0: I love that. So it's like Regina George just like it's popped in up. and was like, you need this. Straight up.
1: So book prices from bookshop.org. Which PS has now raised almost 10 million for local and independent bookstores. It is 1656 on paperback, and there's a link to that in show notes. There is no hardback, it's not that kind of book. From Libro FM, it is not available. And it was not available on Audible either. So this is you have to consume it by reading, which I kind of like. And on Kindle, it was $13.99. Wow. So again, my good friend Colleen recommended this to me and she loved it. Now, truthfully, I think i may have read the wrong book okay like there's a trilogy there's coyote medicine coyote healing and coyote wisdom and i read the first which is coyote medicine and she may have recommended reading the last coyote wisdom which focus focuses primarily on how storytelling is a major component of
0: native american healing traditions so we'll we'll never know what she recommended it's lost forever there's no way to verify definitely not a text or email for sure Thank you. You know, it's
1: the (laughs) pandemic right now and everybody's going through a lot, so I didn't want to challenge that. Okay, I'm going to tell you a little (laughs) bit about the author and you can find this, find out more uh, by clicking on the link in show notes. Lewis Mel, male or Mel, M-E-H-L, Madrona, MD, graduated from Stanford University School of Medicine and trained in family medicine, psychiatry, and clinical psychology. He has been on the faculties of several medical schools, most recently an associate professor of family medicine at the University of New England. He continues to work with aboriginal communities to develop uniquely aboriginal styles of healing and healthcare for use in those communities. He is interested in the relation of healing through dialogue in community and psychosis. He began studying traditional healing and healers since his early days and has written about their work and the process of healing. His primary focus has been upon Cherokee and Lakota traditions, though he has also explored other Plains cultures and those of Northeastern North America. His goal is to bring the wisdom of indigenous peoples about healing back into mainstream medicine and to transform medicine and psychology through this wisdom coupled with more European derived narrative traditions. His current interests center around psychosis and its treatment within community and with non-pharmacological means, narrative approaches to chronic pain and its use in primary care, and further developing healing paradigms within a narrative slash indigenous framework. And you'll learn more about him as I talk. There are 11 chapters in the book with a foreword by Dr. Andrew Weil and a prologue as well as an index. So the chapters are, why are you here? Where did you come from? Mm -hmm. Who are you? Healing stories. Another way. A good resident. The sacred fire. The gift of the sun. AIDS and the spirit of an illness. The vision quest. And coyote medicine.
0: I'm those not gonna are big cover chapter, chapter by chapter titles like who yeah. are you why are you here. Uh,
1: yeah, I, we I, I understand to read that those
0: immediately. <laughs> yeah. Thank you.
1: Well, okay, so I'm not going to cover chapter by chapter. I'm just going to kind of touch on kind of like you did for A Man Search for Meaning and another book I can't remember. You just mm-hmm. kind of touched on the main things that, the that main stuck things, out to you. Yeah. So yeah, basically the entirety of this book is his journey as a healer from being a boy born into poverty in Kentucky being part Native American and learning from his grandfather. And then as he continued through medical school, interning and residency, his realization that Western medicine is great at helping patients who are in crisis, but there are limits, especially with chronic illness. Yeah, And he notes that healing and doctoring are two different pursuits and they're both tremendously powerful. And like a broad sweeping overview, a Native American healer will first listen to the patient They will have the patient create a metaphor for the illness, and then they will create a ceremony to fight it. And the ceremony is never specified in advance. The details emerge from listening to the patient, and they often improvise during the ceremony to kind of meet the needs of the moment. So it's very different in that sense from Western medicine.
0: Wow. Yeah. It's almost around the narrative that... Yes. That's so interesting.
1: Which is interesting and fascinating because brains, our brains are wired to learn through story. So yeah. it makes sense that you know if we wanted to do some in, intense healing, to really like that mm. that attaching to story would be useful or powerful, right? Well, you
0: know what's so interesting is the work I'm doing with my current therapist right now is a lot about that and re, reframing narratives that we have, challenging narratives that we have, even just identifying, because yeah. half the time I don't even realize I've created a narrative around something. And That's right. it's just so powerful. Yeah, yeah, it is. So
1: I'll tell you more a little bit about that as we go forward, but I liked this book. I loved this book. The fact that he is a doctor and he like supports his Native American healing, like through research and things like that and all the different iterations of his family practice and different practices that he's had, healing practices. He backs up what he says with with so for us who are STEM-based, like mm. this is like a, a lovely exploration of a non-traditional, you know what I mean? I love that. You're smiling. What's that smile for?
0: Oh, well, just because I think, you know, I do prefer a holistic approach. I mean, I think I've I've seen in I feel compelled to make the disclaimer, Lisa and I are not doctors. (laughs) Any opinions we share are our own and nothing's meant to be taken as advice, right? Like, please, dear Lord, confer with your own actual licensed health professionals. But I have just seen in my family over and over that like stuffing someone with pills is not enough, you know, often to treat, it can be so helpful to treat a symptom but, you know, the cause of something often requires a more holistic approach. And it wasn't until I started incorporating larger well-being practices that I started to see changes in my body, too. And I was pre-med in college, and I am all about science and believe that there's more than just medicine. And medicine yeah. is so important, and we need it. So I'm just smiling because I love, I love when the two meet and complement each other, yeah. and especially when it's, like, research-backed. You know, it's not yeah. just like, oh, like drink this tea and you'll be healed. It's like, no, here are the science. Enjoy behind some it. ashwanga tea. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, you are gonna love this book, Missy. I will loan it to awesome. you for sure. Awesome.
1: So get this. He graduated high school early at 16 and then studied at Indiana University, which is my alma mater, mm-hmm. where he took medical and graduate biochem classes while he was an undergrad. So he Rag entered Stanford much? Medical School at eighteen he was the youngest peacetime medical graduate at 21 at
0: the time and he is so he is real stupid. Well, I put and on pants this morning, so I feel like we're the same.
1: <laughs> I didn't. Here's the other thing. <laughs> I was fascinated like he's traveled all o- over the country and practiced all over the country but like for a while he was in Bangor, Maine, where I spent a summer doing improv and so I'm like I feel really my I feel really intertwined with him and I'm I'm so I love it. He is definitely like a storyteller and he mm. writes... It almost feels like a journal at some points because he's really vulnerable in the book and it just as open about his shortcomings and what he struggled with, but then also so descriptive. It's just...
0: It's wonderful. So, I love that. And I love that you he, could get... Like really picture the places he was talking about because you've been there. Yes. Yes. It's really fun.
1: So while he was like... Uh, you graduate medical school and then you become like an intern, right? So mm-hmm. he... He struggled with understanding like the social and political systems in hospitals, you know, between doctors, between departments, between insurance, like yeah. that part was really hard for him. And he was also very young, you know, like yeah. he didn't have the life experience of understanding this. So Well, it's also really convoluted felt like the patient,
0: and complex.
1: Yes. He felt like the patient wasn't getting the best treatment sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I mean Misty, I mean in this book he gives Zero fucks about telling it like it is and the way that some doctors really blew it. Like
0: oh
1: like lawsuit. You know what I mean? Like it's amazing. You now he changed all the names and thank God. But he never felt like it was the patient's fault. It was the shortcomings of medicine or the doctors or the
0: manner in which that the medicine was terrifying. Practiced. Yeah. I really appreciate his perspective.
1: He's like, no, this is our shortcoming. This is our fault. It's never the patient's fault. A healer told him after he graduated from medical school that before a person can be healed, they must answer three simple questions. Who are you? Where did you come from? And why are you here? Mm. And anyone who could give clear answers to those would be well. So I think it's really about like understanding your story, understanding like what has brought you to this and your illness. Why is your illness a part of you, right? And what do you want? Right. Like it's really having clarity that a So healer the why really are you here isn't
0: why are you here on planet Earth? It's why did you come here for healing?
1: Yeah. I don't think it was why are you here as a human being? I think it was like, Why are you here to be healed? Okay. Yeah. So he talks about a few cases that taught him specifically how Western med- Western medicine can fail, how doctors are looking for a diagnosis versus really looking at the patient in fact, how the sentiment was, the less they knew about the person, the more objective they could be. And again, this isn't like the 70s, 80s, like it's very, you know, it may have changed, it may not have. And he felt this left a lot of information unknown that could potentially be helpful, right? How doctors are taught to diagnose and treat disease, to accept their impotence gracefully when treatments failed and to deny their ignorance of health and illness and the mysteries that arose. And he's like, you know, part of what's so great about Native American healing is that like, we operate in a little bit of the mysticism, you know, and mm-hmm. we have to rely on spirits. We have to rely on the magic versus, you know, because if, if doctors see a miracle, it's hard for them to say, well, it was a miracle. They'll say, well, we were, it was a misdiagnosis in the beginning. Right. Mm. Or if they'll say we diagnosed it and we treated it and it didn't work. Well,
0: that's just the shortcoming of, you know,
1: hmm. that's
0: just the shortcomings of medicine. I definitely have a hard time saying like we've got to rely on spirits or magic. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. that's hard for me to wrap my head around. Well, I mean that's a very because that's not the culture that we grew up in. For totally, sure. and also I think it's it's also a bit of a language thing here because I think you know like if you are Christian, you might say like, "Oh, my faith in Jesus Fair. Christ and God," you know, and and mm-hmm. angels are watching out for me. you know. Like I think language. Definitely differs here, but it's, I guess in this moment, I understand how psychologically, like, helping to heal trauma and, like, positively change the narrative around very hard things that have happened to you, you know, can help your body physically heal, right? Versus, like, we're waiting on a miracle,
1: well, the other piece is uh, well. I don't feel like that they're waiting on a miracle. They're like asking, you know, and and yeah. in their minds, like if the heal- if the person can answer those three things, they they can be healed, right? But the other piece of it is like, you know, he makes a mention that often, very often, illness does not respond to the drugs the way that it's intended, right? Yeah. So because doctors diagnose disease versus a patient,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. Illness is an interaction with the individual. Yeah. So if you're only looking at the illness
0: and not the patient,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how the hell are you gonna how Dude, the
1: hell are you going to treat it? I a
0: hundred percent am on board with that. Like that's the part where I'm like, oh, that's the holistic approach. What's going on for this person? How are they yeah. mentally but the feeling about the yeah. Is You don't know. And you you do have to rely on a little bit of faith
1: and the magic of you know, things that happen on a neuro neuro, you know, transmitter mm-hmm. level that we can't see, right? Mm-hmm. Why does one dose of fifty milligrams of Zoloft work for one person but not for another? Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of faith and magic in that for sure. that we just that medicine wants to quantify. Yeah. But there's a piece of it that's
0: like, yeah. who can know? And there are things that, you know, we know exist that aren't measurable yet. Like even Brene Brown says this, you know, the energy right. exchange between individuals is not something that we can Measure, but we can feel it and we know it's real and we know that we can feel it. Yeah. 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 It was during this time
1: when he was kind of an intern. He went with a friend who was a fellow medical student who was also Native American. This uh, this guy Eddie invited him to a healing ceremony for one of Eddie's relatives. This was in 1973 and this was still illegal. So, Mm -hmm. an act of Congress in 1895 outlawed Native American religion and this wouldn't be removed from the books until 1975. So, literally attending a healing ceremony was illegal. What? So, this is a great time to point out that not only have the Native American people been oppressed, have they been, you know, the Murdered. United States committed genocide, mm-hmm. the, you know, Columbus committed genocide. There have been so many atrocities perpetrated and continue to be perpetrated against the Native American people. But also to point out that many people, mostly white people have appropriated these healing rituals now for economic gain. And a lot of self-help gurus, you know, sage and they do sweat lodges without insight or permission from Native American healers. The most famous is James Arthur Ray, who was convicted of negligent homicide. He was one of the authors of The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. And yes. there is an incredible podcast called Guru by Wandry that outlines this tragedy. It's really well done. I highly recommend it. It's only like six episodes, but it really goes into like what happened? Three people died at an event of James Arthur Ray's at lodge. Oh my God. Yeah. Also, this author does mention how currently, like today, no Native American healers are untouched by modern civilization. And we can't know how closely they follow the traditions before Columbus arrived, Right. Some mm. of the healing knowledge has been lost by all of the atrocities perpetrated on the native people of this continent. That is just so but Native tragic. American medicine has been practiced on this continent for at least 10,000 years. So that's why there's a lot of magic, spirit, trust, faith, this kind of stuff in it. And, wow. you know, 10,000 years is a long time. So he's such an interesting person to be able to kind of combine these two belief systems, right? These two cultures of medicine, healing and medicine.
0: I'm gonna be thinking about that for the rest of the week. That is Yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. In a country that was founded by people who wanted freedom to practice their religion, they outlawed the native people of this land from practicing their religion. Okay. Oh my god. Back to Lewis. He goes to this healing ceremony and it sets him on this path for like the rest of his life. So Again, this book is a little more memoir, but I have to tell you, Missy, he is a wonderful descriptive writer. And I learned so much Mm -hmm. about the different aspects of Native American healing. He tells so many stories and gives like a thorough description of what these ceremonies are like. And it's vivid and you feel like you you really understand what's going on and like you can picture it. Mm -hmm. And he includes like the description of being visited by spirits, what that looks like, what that feels like. It's
0: breathtaking. Oh, it's wonderful. I love it! And does he talk yeah. about? I mean, I'm assuming he talks about the the patient outcomes, right? Yes. Yeah. So in the beginning, he's not the
1: healer, right? So he's just a he's a the visitor. observer. Yeah, right. He's the observer. So he'll talk about like what the person that they were there, what they were there to get healed, mm-hmm. and later when he is the healer, he talks about he talks about them and the outcomes. So he states in this chapter that his ultimate goal was to change the way medicine is practiced by integrating Native American healing into Western medicine. Mm. So he gives great examples throughout the book of both Western and Native American healing patients. And because he's a doctor, you get the full sense of both these practices. Like he comes to understand why the, uh, with the insurance industry, doctors are locked in that time pressure game of meeting patients and ordering tests or making mm-hmm. conclusions quickly and then moving on to the next patient in order to make their practice sustainable with billing and insurance. But this doesn't meet his desire to practice medicine the way he wants to. Taking time and getting to know the patient at the first visit, right?
0: Yeah, so I, uh, in this year, I just wanna share my experience of both of those things. In this year, I have had two different kinds of health insurance and I had a physical in January in person when it was safe to do so. And then later, you know, just like, A month or two ago with my new insurance, met with a doctor quickly on a video visit. And in, I've never had this before, in the first physical I went into in January, I, like when I got in there, I had my list of things I wanted to say or think about, or, you know, I'm trying to jam in as quickly as I can all of the issues that I might need, you know, counsel on or like, hey, can I have a prescription for this thing or what, you know, whatever. And this doctor took like a full 45 minutes with me, sat down, got a whole medical patient. like The whole time I was just like, she was like, oh, hey, you can slow down. We've got time. I set aside an hour for new patients. And I was like, what? It blew my mind. And then when I got this new insurance a few months ago, this doctor on a video visit was just trying to plow through so quickly because I think they only had set aside 15 minutes that when I was just trying to explain like some anxiety I was having around an issue, she was like, okay, what do you need? And I just was like, you make me feel like I do not matter and you just need to get to the next thing. And like, it didn't make me feel like it was safe to bring up my issues. It didn't make me feel like she was caring or listening. And it just made me go like, I'm not even going to go to the doctor. Even that alone felt like a barrier to healing. So, like, even just getting to know a patient and trust and feel that there's safety in a course of treatment happening, I can see how that could positively affect what's going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: You know, he says that during a a specific healing ceremony, he learned that what people say they want and what they really want can often be different. Mm -hmm. And healing doesn't work until those are in alignment, right? He says that true healers or medicine men and women know that only the creator, spirits, or the patient can take credit for the healing, not the healer.
0: This isn't the healing is very ceremony than, Gotham than wants. Medicine. It's the healing ceremony Gotham deserves.
1: Thank you. Again, this book is full of so many wonderful stories of healing ceremonies and metaphors and actual stories of uh, from the Native American culture. It was really wonderful to read like a totally different perspective from an author that's not normally in this space. Yeah, yes. It was beautiful. And I was really struck by the assertion that people need ceremony. They need ritual. And that creates the magic that allows the thing to happen, allows the healing to happen. Whether that's praying before a surgery or something very different, as long as the healer and the supplicants believe in it, he says, prayer and ceremony hold a magic and power that cannot be denied. It is through ritual that we address the the non-physical energies which surround us nurture us, protect us, enliven us, and instruct us. It is the simplest way of formally requesting help with our problems.
0: I love that you just said that, Lisa, because ritual and ceremony has been on my mind during, especially during the pandemic and especially Mm -hmm. in the last few weeks because I have started incorporating a few more ceremonies and rituals into my life just to formalize things, to feel like Mm -hmm. time is passing, to feel like there's whatever, you know, it's going to, change depending on what you're doing, but whether it's to give gratitude or to try and move past some negativity or rough thoughts or to ask for help or just to say like, I'm resetting myself. Like even something as simple as like, I'm taking a bath for 30 minutes or I'm putting on a little Mm -hmm. face mask, right? These are little rituals Mm -hmm. that really can help us. And a little tease, you and I are going to be talking about. Ritual and ceremony in a deep way on the podcast in the next couple of weeks, which is really exciting. So mm-hmm. I have just found okay. it to be such a a comfort, and even thinking about like the holidays, right? That's a ritual and a ceremony that comes around each year that helps us kind of reflect and mark time and yeah, give thanks. Yeah. So really powerful.
1: I also was interested and entertained through this book, and like it, it kept my interest because he weaves the story of his success and failures, both business and personal, like how difficult medical school was on his first marriage, his feelings mm-hmm. about being a parent throughout, you know, um, when his business went bankrupt during the AIDS crisis and his administrator, who was a friend, had totally stolen money and left all the accounts in bad shape. Oh, like, no. you really go on the long journey that he's had in his life. You go on it with them.
0: So it's really memoir-heavy. And,
1: yes. and yeah. when I, But he also weaves it in with like, his learning as he goes along. Right. Like mm. it doesn't feel like then I did this and then I did this. And then I did this. It, it feels very in tune and right along with whatever he's kind of it, it, along with his learning. He's, he does a nice way of weaving that in. Awesome. And when I say that, thankfully all of these doctors have their identities changed in the book. Hoo-wee. I mean, he does not give a fuck. He flamethrows in a kind way. He's not like this person is terrible. He's like, this was a doctor who had a bet that he could get a C-section done in under twenty minutes, and the patient and the patient needed emergency surgery later. Like he,
0: oh my god, yes.
1: he also throws shade at Louise Hay <gasps> and the other gurus. Mm-hmm. He said he saw so many people because she can't, her, she published her book in the seventies. He saw so many people during the AIDS crisis who read her book, and he says her idea that cancer and other you know, ailments are the body's way of expressing an unhappy idea, mm. right? Like my father hated me or I was raped. So I have uterine cancer, right. Or something mm. like that. He says it's too simplistic because it doesn't account for the spirit of the individual.
0: Yes. And, and, and Lisa says, is and talking I, about you can heal your life by Louise Hay, which yeah. we did an episode on if anybody needed yeah. a reminder. Thank you. He
1: says, quote, illness results from a relationship between the disease's spirit and the person's own, which is why hmm. some people experience, you know, some people survive cancer. Some people, you know what I mean? Like it's, and they get the same treatment. Like it's, you just cannot, this is this mysticism in the, you know what I'm saying? Like,
0: this is what he said. Like um, we can't account you were like the same I don't treatment like the magic. for a, a similar individual work That's sometimes right. and not always others.
1: So I think where Western medicine would say, well, there are just other variables that we cannot account for. I think he would say Native American healing would say, we did not account for the individual. We did not count for the spirit of the individual. We did not treat the individual, right? Mm. And so he also, ha- he said that there was this Canadian tribe. They had a phrase and uh, for, an, for a beast, an animal, like what does it eat in winter? Like once you know what this animal is, then you can start to like hunt it you know, stalk it, like find a way to kill it. And I thought that was fascinating. How does it eat in winter? Yeah,
0: yeah, I, yeah, I think I'm having a little bit of trouble, again, with the language of like the relationship between the diseases spirit and the human spirit battling it. But this could also just be a product of like, it's a distillation of the book. And maybe with more context, I would understand what he's talking
1: yeah, about. Yeah, well, I think- what's so interesting then is as a native american healer their job is to just simply listen to the patient come up with a metaphor to help this patient yeah or the person that needs to be healed and then construct a ceremony that allows for this healing to ha- this transformation to happen within the person right mm-hmm. yeah and along the way, he's never, again, remember, he's blending both Native American and Western. I
0: was going to say, yeah, does he right? talk about like, okay, so I we gave penicillin to treat the acute issue, and then we did this larger thing, the ceremony, like, does he talk about kind of that?
1: No, not in like a specific detail like that. There's one patient at the very end who's like suffering from cancer that he does talk about, but let me go back to what he was saying about Louise Hay. Okay. He says, I would see people come in and they would say, I read Louise's book and I feel like I'm at fault, right? Like mm. I did this or I feel this way about this and it's my fault. Fuck that book. Yeah. And he also says like, listen, most people who've been through a miraculous healing experience don't like to talk about it much because the more you talk about it and quantify and explain it away, it takes away, it's a miracle. You can't yeah. explain it, you know? Okay. Like a sense of talk diminishes the power of the cure, Yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. And in his experience, it shows that twenty of the twenty percent of the patients will thrive over the long term because they trust. And he connects that rituals help humans trust. Mm. So that's kind of how it's going to go. if it, it, he breaks it down a little bit more. But I did try to get some self help ish out of this. Great. And so he's been practicing what he calls intense healing for a while, which isn't like you go to the therapist once a week or you, you know. Like people will come visit him in the desert and stay for a week or a month or whatever. Mm. And he works with them and they don't have a cell phone. They don't have books or whatever. They literally have no thing. It's also, I think, derived from a method from Shintoism. I want to say Morita method or something like that. Anyway, so he makes some general observations uh, on healing. And this is near the end of the book. Overcoming distractions and inertia of daily life seems to be key to rapid healing. He says isolation of the client is helpful, but also requires intensive effort from the healer. He says an intense focus seems to touch off certain healing catalysts, prayer, a loving relationship, a ritual. Something needs to like be a catalyst. A ritual must be situated in physical space as carefully as a satellite dish. And here he's talking about like the actual location. If you're going to do a Native American ritual, like the, the direction of the wind, etc. And he gets really into detail about that wow. um, in the book. And for a ritual to succeed, the purpose must be clearly stated. Not, I want world peace and a vaccine for everyone and the Green New Deal. You know, it has to be something simple. <laughs> like... I want to end fighting within myself or health and abundance for people in my family. Right.
0: Like he's
1: like, the spirits can't handle a complex thing. Like I want, you know, geopolitical stability in the middle East. Like that's not, (laughs) that's not (laughs) calm down. down." Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says, we participate in a ritual as a transformative process. How the alteration happens is a mystery but we are participants who experience without explanation. So that's a little bit of like the magic that he's talking about. Mm. We don't know exactly how the transformation happens, but we participate as an experience and without trying to explain it away. And then throughout the book, he's visited by the coyote spirit and he talks a lot about what the coyote spirit's about. And then he found out that people who are half Mexican are often called coyotes in their, in their culture. And it drew him even closer to identifying with this animal because he's half Native American. And so this book is a product of two cultures of healing. I don't know if he, my landlord is having a grand time.
0: Okay. Uh, Lisa's landlord, Zoe, is on her back in her landlord bed, but her like f- her back legs are like splayed apart and then her front legs are crossed like she's a lady. It's very and cute. she's staring
1: at me with her mouth open. It's very cute. Maybe she's feeling coyote spirit right now. Who knows? Oh, so he draws cl- even closer to identifying with his animal. And so this book is a product mm-hmm. of two cultures of healing. And what the author wants people to take away from the book is this message. It's like the very last sentence in the book. Don't give up. Don't stop trying. Help is always available, whether inside or out of the halls of conventional medicine.
0: Mm-hmm. Don't give
1: up until you've tried everything there is to try. Help yourself to a little coyote medicine and thrive. And that is Coyote Medicine by Lewis Mail Madrona M.D.
0: And uh, links to his website and everything will be in show notes. Lisa, thank you so much. That was so interesting. Yeah, really different, right? Really different. And I'm just, I'm really intrigued by so much of it. And what's possible when you believe things are possible and the power of the mind. You know, like when you have this kind of alchemy between you know, modern medicine and your body's own ability to heal if you give it what it needs, you know, is just really, really fascinating. So thank you. Yeah, Thank you for this short and sweet review. I have some questions. I assumed that you did. Oh, good. This isn't our first time. (laughs) Surprise. I have questions. (laughs) Did this book need to be written?
1: Absolutely. We need to hear more Native American voices overall, period, especially in this space.
0: Absolutely. What did you try to put into practice from this book and how did it affect you? The
1: idea of being open to ritual as a way to
0: transform
1: versus like, I need to transform my life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. being open to this idea of, sometimes it happens without us being able to under, to explain away why it happens. Yeah, You know, I think that's a very North American, not Native American, but North American culture and Western culture and capitalistic culture of like, here are the steps that I did. And then here's the change that I made. And it's like, well, you know,
0: even if it changes on a molecular level, like if you change cellularly, like you, you don't know how that happened. Like you can't see that happening. The difference that I'm hearing in both of those things is one puts all the responsibility on you to change. Yes. And uh, you know, like you are responsible for the effectiveness of what you're trying to do. And the other is like kind of a belief in a greater support system.
1: Yeah. And like, nobody does it alone. Our big problem with self help is that nobody does anything alone.
0: Nobody does you know? anything alone. Humans are a dependent species. Right? The fact that I'm sitting on a chair that was built by somebody probably halfway around the
1: world. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it, yep. it, all of that. And also yeah. I loved the stories about the spirits. It was amazing the way he wrote about the rituals and the healing ceremonies. I mean, honestly, it's worth that read just for that alone.
0: I would love to read that. Do yeah. you feel that the author missed anything?
1: I mean, it's probably more of a memoir than self-help, but no. I mean, he is so open about everything. It's it's truly amazing.
0: Okay. Who would you buy this book for and who would you never buy it for? Say you would buy it for Louise Hay.
1: <laughs> well, I would buy it for anybody who has a chronic illness and asks for help. I would never just give this book to somebody with a chronic mm-hmm. illness because that's mm-hmm. annoying. I would give it to anybody going to med school. I guess I wouldn't buy it for a pharma rep.
0: <laughs> <sighs> or maybe you should. Cause I think, I think my problem, what I get really nervous about and really scared about is when people eschew all modern medicine in favor yeah. of a different method. Like, you know, if you have cancer, you may need chemotherapy and radiation. Yep. It may not be enough yep. to just change your diet. And think positive yeah. thoughts, you know? And so that yeah. that's where I get really nervous about it. But I i do think that like exactly what he's talking about, the melding of these two, the meeting in the middle, how they can complement each other and work together is what, yeah. what's exciting. Well, and remember at the beginning of the book, he's like, Western medicine is great
1: for people in crisis. You know, yeah. like if somebody, somebody can't go to a mm-hmm. healing ceremony who has like lost a significant amount of blood, you yeah. know, or yes. who has, yeah, if your appendix their is their bursting, go away. to
0: the hospital.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like that's not what this is for, but some of these longer, more complicated diseases, chronic illness, mm-hmm. which we are not equipped to handle chronic pain, yeah. long-term inflammatory issues, disease, lupus, yeah, things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. We bungle a lot. In in medicine. We end up oh, yeah. creating more problems with every intervention, right? Yeah.
0: So I remember it's, going it's to really, a GI for an issue, and I had a colonoscopy and everything. Huge deal. And we were discussing my results. And I said, So should I change my diet? Should I stop drinking coffee or alcohol? Like, what should I do to help heal my digestive tract? And he was like, Nothing. Don't change anything. I just went, What? And then I went to another doctor and she, she was like, well, listen, here are the things we can do, but also like, I want you to change your diet in this way to help counteract the inflammation and, you know, in your intestines. And I just was like, thank you. Like, why would a GI say, don't change the things you're putting in your GI? <laughs> so it's just like, it's really a crapshoot. Crapshoot. Oh, yeah. no pun intended. Nailed it. Thank you. Nailed it. Lisa, what is my listener challenge this week? What's my homework?
1: I want to make this applicable to self-help. And so we'll just try it. Think of a challenge, like a problem that you're having, maybe not an illness because you don't have access to a healer, um, but something you want to rectify in your life. And then ask yourself the three questions. Who am I? Where did I come from? And why am I here? Like in this moment facing this issue, you know, and see if that can give you a more holistic understanding of what brought you to this precipice or instance, yeah. and then how you might work with it, right? Like, mm-hmm. what does it eat in winter? <laughs> right? mm-hmm. How does it eat in winter? And yeah. and then figure out a way to, to maybe tackle it. And then mm-hmm. you yeah, just frame that through the lens of the problem you're having. I don't know if that's what Dr. Lewis would advise. I'm just, we're on a first name basis, Dr. Lewis, I'm twisting it into self-help. And so I just want to know what it was. uh, You don't have to tell me about the problem or anything like that, but I'm curious to know what it was like using those three questions.
0: Yeah, you got it. To see
1: if that will help you like launch into some sort of different approach or tactic or whatever.
0: I just want you to know that my heart rate went up a little bit and my chest is warm and (laughs) it's... I think we're onto something. We're onto something. And also I just want to acknowledge that... This kind of like holistic work or therapy or reframing or whatever modality you're using that is outside of just like, cool, I'm going to pop a pill, (laughs) you know, to feel better can be really scary work that takes a lot of courage, you know, to face. And it's no wonder we kind of stuff it down and don't acknowledge it and don't go, what does this beast eat in winter? Because sometimes it you yeah. have to build up internal safety to even start to ask yourselves those questions,
1: yeah, yeah, and I think that those questions we in a North American, not Native American approach, mm-hmm. who are you? Why are you here? Those feel like they have meaning that we can't I don't know, they feel like really heavy, important things,
0: right? Like, yeah, and they're we left have open in the for answer a reason, to them clearly, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's okay. I just want to say if, if anybody else is feeling the way Misty is feeling like
0: mm-hmm.
1: just maybe narrow the scope of just like, in, as it relates to this issue, who are you, as it relates to this issue, where did you come from and how did you arrive at this place? Mm-hmm. And as it relates to this issue, why are you here at this moment? Right? Like, and if you don't know, that's also okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we're going to take it and make it work for us.
0: Awesome. Okay. Well, I'm terrified. Everyone, please tune in to the next weekly beef on Tuesday so that uh, you can hear my response. Yes. Okay. Let's, I now want to run away. With that. Great. (laughs) Life Life is abundant. abundant. Bye. Yay.
1: Go help yourself was produced by Misty Stinnett and Lisa Linky. Our theme song was written
0: by the inimitable Matt Sav. Inimitable! There's nothing we love more than hearing from you. Email us at gohelpyourselfpodcast at gmail.com. We're also at Go help Podcast on Instagram and at G H Y Podcast on Twitter. And you can go old school and check out our website at gohelpyourselfpodcast.com. It basically is a fancy PowerPoint slide. If you liked our podcast, <laughs> please subscribe, rate, and review because it helps.